The year was 1954, and a South African woman named Elizabeth Clare shocked people worldwide by coming forward with claims of being abducted by aliens. Adding to the high strangeness of the case, Clare went on to speak of government conspiracies, alien-human sex, and even hybrid children happening right under our noses. Claire maintained throughout her life that she had been a willing participant in an extraterrestrial love affair with a being from a planet known as Miton, and even conceived a love child with her Alpha Centaurian spaceman. Ridiculed by some and hailed as a hero of humanity by others, Claire's unbelievable story both entranced and confused millions. But what are the facts of this case, and is there any proof that substantiates Claire's tale? Join us in this week's installment of the Supernatural Tendencies podcast, where we'll uncover the details of the case and give our opinions of its validity. Stick around after the show for this week's Musician Spotlight, featuring Almost Made the Mixtape. I'm Christy. And I'm Alex. And this is Episode 18, The Love Story of Elizabeth Clare and a Spaceman from Meton. These days, talk of extraterrestrials, UFOs, and even alien abductions have almost become commonplace. But in the 1950s, such talk would bring ridicule, admonishment, and sometimes even get you a visit to the loony bin. Television and news propaganda force-fed family values, hard work, and the latest newfangled inventions. Sci-fi was all the rage, and tales of people from outer space both thrilled and terrified viewers. It would seem the least likely time and place for a love story to be born, especially one between a middle-aged mother and a flaxen-haired space being named Akon. But according to Elizabeth Clare, that's exactly what happened. Born in Moai River, Natel, in 1910, Elizabeth and her older sister Barbara both bore witness to a supposed UFO encounter while living on the family farm in Conington, South Africa. A then seven-year-old Elizabeth was playing outside with her sister when the two saw a meteor intercepted by a strange silver disc-shaped object in the sky. It was during this event that memories of an earlier UFO sighting came back to a young Elizabeth, and she was able to recall experiences as far back as the age of three in 1913. Elizabeth was a fervent believer in telepathic abilities and worked diligently to strengthen her gifts. The scientific aspect of her experiences, however, led her to earn her diploma in meteorology from St. Anne's Diocesan College in Peter Maritzburg, and from there she traveled to Italy, where she excelled in her studies of both art and music. Married in 1932 to W. Stafford Phillips, Elizabeth was fascinated with aeronautics, and thanks to her pilot husband, she learned how to fly a Tiger Moth light aircraft. During World War II, the trained pilot went on to hold a distinguished position in the RAF Intelligence Division, securing a position 
of respect and admiration, and a hunger for even greater knowledge. While on a flight from Durban to Barawanath, the two witnessed a saucer-shaped object that seemed to coast alongside of them and then suddenly flew away. This was just one of many times that someone was present during Elizabeth's experiences. It was after reading well-known alien abduction speaker George Adamski's book, Flying Saucers Have Landed, in 1953, that Elizabeth recalled memories of having received telepathic messages from an extraterrestrial named Akon. She described him as friendly and elaborated that he occasionally communicated with her, bringing words of guidance and unconditional love since her childhood. It was in December of 1954 that Elizabeth's sister, Mary, contacted her excited at the news that the native Zulu nation were reporting strange appearances of what they termed a lightning bird in the skies of their South African home. Elizabeth instantly felt drawn to the story and jumped at the chance of a face-to-face meeting with the mysterious being who had been with her all of her life. With her three children in tow, Elizabeth made her first of three visits to an area known as Flying Saucer Hill, where she claimed to see a UFO craft descend and hover near them. Describing the spacecraft as having a central dome that stayed stationary while its hull spun around it, Elizabeth relayed that she could very clearly see Akon through one of the craft's three clear portals. Due to a protective barrier of heat that emanated from the ship, she was unable to get close to it for fear of possibly catching fire herself. As reports from natives continued concerning the unexplained occurrences in the sky, Elizabeth found herself once more called to visit the site in April of 1956. It was during this visit that she was met by Akon, taken aboard his spaceship, and whisked to an enormous cigar-shaped mothership that was waiting outside of the Earth's atmosphere. This is where the story resembles a later-made movie titled Logan's Run, minus the imposed restrictions and suicide at the age of 30. With a garden-like interior, the craft provided a utopia-like environment for its inhabitants. Where crime did not exist, money was a thing of the past, and love was thrown around in true 1970s Haight-Ashbury style. After a few shared kisses, Elizabeth learned from her new beau that she was a reincarnated Venusian, and in fact a long-lost soulmate of her soon-to-be lover. He stated that his people would often take Earthwomen as partners, creating offspring that would strengthen their race and infuse new blood into future generations. Now, as crazy as this story sounds, it's important to note that during the exact same time, scientific observers documented, unbeknownst to Miss Clarer, a mysterious, unexplained red glow situated at a rocky section of Flying Saucer Mountain. The steady source of light was viewable from roughly 6 p.m. in the evening, till 2 a.m. in the morning. Investigations conducted in the area afterwards found no traces of fire or other possible sources to the elusive red glow. In July of 1956, Elizabeth's family farm and adjoining Flying Saucer Hill were sold, but not before she made one last visit. It was during this trip that she claimed to have taken a series of seven photographs using her sister's brownie camera that supposedly show Akon's spaceship. Skeptics say the photos are nothing more than an elaborate hoax taken at the right moment as a hubcap was thrown into the air. However, Elizabeth was seen by many members of her family leaving the home alone, 
And even well-known ufologist Edgar Seavers argued that a frail woman wouldn't have the strength needed to achieve this, nor the dexterity to photograph it at the same time. He also concluded that no known make of hubcap shared the same details apparent in Clara's pictures. From here, the story takes a somewhat X-rated turn, as Claire detailed an experience of having been whisked away by her knight in shining, unspecified metal alloys. In 1959, at the age of 49, Elizabeth found herself called by Akon to the high plateau of Cathkin Peak, and after receiving a silver ring as a symbol of their universal love, the relationship was consummated and a male offspring was conceived by the pair. Clara then accompanied her suitor to his home planet of Meton, which he said orbited Proximal Centauri in the nearby multiple star system of Alpha Centauri. She remained on the planet for nine years their time, four months Earth time, during which she gave birth to a son named Eiling. She described Meton saying, There were no cities or skyscrapers, as Earth people know them, anywhere on Meton. Homes were scattered in park-like grounds. There was an abundance of all things needed by civilization, food, water, and all materials for building, an unlimited supply of energy on tap from the atmosphere and the universe, no shortages of any kind, and no monetary systems at all. Clara claimed she adored her new home where her mate Akon worked as an astrophysicist, and the couple's son was educated, to in time follow in his father's footsteps. The union filled Elizabeth with a sense of completeness that she had never before known, and although she desperately missed her Earth children, she found life on this new planet peaceful and soul-nourishing, unlike Earth in its constant state of turmoil. Soon, however, Elizabeth began experiencing health problems, and when it was determined that her heart could not withstand the planetary vibration of Meton, she had no alternative but to return to Earth. Both Akon and their son Eiling continued to visit Elizabeth throughout her life back on Earth. Clara reportedly shared a common bond with self-described alien abductee Georgia Damsky, and similar experiences were reported by both. It's interesting to note that following Clara's revelation of her story, numerous other women began coming forward detailing similar accounts. The world of sci-fi was now in the average American's living room, and it wasn't going away anytime soon. Elizabeth didn't shy away from speaking about her experiences. In fact, she reveled in them. Often mocked by the press for her flamboyant personality, she saw any means of coverage as a way to spread the message she had been sent here to relay. A first-hand account of her experiences detailed in Flying Saucer Review of November-December 1956 caught the eye of publisher Edith Nicolaysen, who corresponded with Clara from 1956 to 1976. Taken from a series of 23 letters, Elizabeth chronicled her first memory of Akon, along with their eventual meeting, affair, and love child, to Nicolaysen, who published a small booklet concerning Clara's story in 1959, with a second edition printed again in 1967. Clara spent six years penning her autobiography, entitled Beyond the Light Barrier, The Elizabeth Clara Story where she passionately shares her most intimate details and what she calls her lifelong mission of bringing peace and awareness to mankind. 
Claire has been interviewed by well-known ufologist Cynthia Hind and Kitty Smith, retelling her story, always maintaining the same details. Smith has even went public with the fact that during one of these meetings, she herself witnessed seeing Akon's UFO craft in January of 1984. Elizabeth was outspoken in her defense and never shied away from any challenges issued by her critics. And when once friend, psychic medium Philip Human, spoke of himself having received messages from celestial beings, Claire made no bones about taking offense to his claims. They would not stoop to such methods, she stated. Claire was invited to attend the 11th International Congress of UFO Research Groups in Weisbad in Germany in 1975 by Hermann Oberth, to which she received an illustrious standing ovation to an overflowing crowd. On the anniversary of her union with her beloved Akon, Claire lovingly returns to Flying Saucer Hill once even coordinating a visit with SAAF helicopter pilots who sought shelter on the farm during a dangerous storm. Sadly, Claire's second book remains unfinished. The Gravity File, which details minute aspects of her experiences and also the involvement of both military and political forces in UFO research. It is even said to explain the electrogravity propulsion technology of Akon spaceship. However, its exact whereabouts remain unknown. As for Akon and their son Eiling, the alien, astrophysicist, their son, his wife Clea, and the couple's child are happily bebopping around the universe, according to Elizabeth, who sadly passed away from breast cancer at the ripe old age of 84. Critics of Claire, such as Thomas Stritcher, Ph.D., voice that the case holds no weight and no facts to support that it exists. However, statements from numerous people, including Claire's family members and ufologist Kitty Smith, provide evidence to the contrary. Claire's son David remains absolute that he has no memory of his mother being missing for any prolonged length of time in 1959. Ufologist Philip Human, who was at one time within Claire's good graces, heaped mounds of praise for the contactee, at least until his revelation of also receiving telepathic messages from outer space through psychic mediumship, caused a rift between the two. The whereabouts of her 1956 photographs, silver ring, a space rock, and a fern brought back from Meton have all mysteriously disappeared. If all ever really existed. So further attempts at validation are impossible. We may never know for sure if Clara's story was true. In her mind, at least, it was very real. Maybe someday their son Eiling will return to provide answers to the many questions that still remain. Oh man, we'll see how this is going to go with these dogs. Stupid dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to... Oh, the dogs next door are being fantastic. Anyway, here we are today. The week after Thanksgiving is when you'll be listening to this, so we hope uh, you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I'm still full. It's my favorite holiday ever. Is it for real? Yeah. Yeah, the kids know it and everything, and I figured I should have ran into their room at 6 in the morning and just woke them up. That would have been pretty funny. Yeah, it would have. 
Ember wouldn't have liked it, though. She'd have probably thrown some. Yo, she's not a morning person. She gets that from her grandma. Saxon is, and he probably would have woken up, like, excited that something crazy was going to happen. And it wasn't. It was just, we're getting ready for food. It just Like the turkeys in the oven, Saxon! Yeah. It would have been great, though, because they do it to me every Christmas, and Thanksgiving's kind of like my Christmas, so I should have done it. Should have. That would have been funny. Anyway, uh, well wishing aside for your Thanksgiving, we are back again today with the Elizabeth Clare story. This is a pretty cool story. I mean, it's weird. It is weird. Kind of, yeah. It is weird. Especially when you look at 1950s America. Yeah. I mean... I mean, going out of your way... Well, not even in America. I think she was in South Africa, actually, so... Yeah. 1950s world. Yeah. Not a friendly time to come out with sorted love, uh, a sorted love story with extraterrestrials. <laughs> true. It's very true. I mean, the the critiques, to put it lightly, that she must have gone through must have been amazing. I can only imagine. And we do apologize for the dogs in the background. There's not much we can do until they just stop barking. Which will be never. Probably never. Do you have anywhere specifically you want to start? Well, way to put me on the spot like that. This is your story. You did the research for it and everything else. Did you have any specific questions? Or topics for discussion? Well, um, just like I said, you know, during that time, especially being South, probably South Africa more than here in the States, um, definitely not, you know, very family friendly or believable. Yeah. And, you know, she was very outspoken, to put it lightly, about sharing the most intimate details of her experience with the elusive Aton. Did she really go into depth? Yeah. Did she? Like, uh, porno details? Well, not, I mean, she was just like, our lovemaking was ecstasy and... Oh, okay. All this and, yeah, so she would tell anybody who would listen, basically. So she was still married to a human... She was married three times. Oh, okay. surprisingly yeah. and i mean like her i know because i thought the same thing but her last husband even um i think he was asked during an interview like hey what do you think about your wife banging an alien gallivanting the universe <laughs> with uh akon akon and he was like uh i don't really care as long as he stays out there oh interesting well isn't that the whole point of this story there mr Clare? kind of right and it kind of harkens back to a few other stories, too. I believe around the same time, and I'm going to piggyback a little bit on the last podcast on Left This Week, because they had just released an episode of vaguely of the same um, idea. Uh, but that was unbeknownst to you, because you don't listen to that show. I do. And I, I do. So this was completely... One might say psychic. Serendipitous, hmm? if you will. So they did one... This week, which I think uh, was a compilation of three different stories, one of which was uh, Antonio Bias Boas, who was from Brazil. Oh, yes. um, Who had a similar experience. And the only only real big difference in, I guess, in a way, all three of their stories with the Elizabeth Clare story is Elizabeth Clare. And now that I think about it, it's from a woman's perspective because the other three that they had done this week were from male perspectives. Was it one? Was it two or three? I don't remember. Two or three. Um, but Elizabeth Clare was more focused on like a, like a marital situation where it was more like a relationship. Yeah. Um, there was something deep, something something big about it. And Antonio V.S. Boas was more like, 
like a breeding situation. Yeah. Not like a relationship. No. But it was more of like a genetics thing, like a genetics experiment. Yeah. And then there was another one that they had done was the, I think he might have been a Zulu as well, of Zulu descent. Oh, really? Of like a shaman. But it was in stark contrast to uh, Antonio Villas Boas, who was more of like an experience that was good as opposed to an experience that was bad that kind of did the same like idea that was the same idea of genetic tests. Again, though, in stark contrast to this Elizabeth Clare story, which is a much more, like I said, familial story. Yeah, and the the relationship that she had with him detailed how, like, this was a lifelong thing uh, from her earliest memory at about, about I can't talk, about age three th- through and continued throughout her life. And she had even said that Akon had told her that she was more or less, like, handpicked by him to form this relationship with. Yeah. So we have a we have a we have like a combining of a few different aspects of the abduction of the abduction stories in this one here. We have of course the the intermingling of genetics with the child that was born, right? Um Eiling. And then the one you just brought up of of like a like a lineage selection process, yeah. which I happened upon maybe 8 years ago, kind of hearing about it had having formulated for mm-hmm. me in a narrative how like uh, some reports of extraterrestrial visitations happen along the same family lines. Many. They follow the, the, the yeah, the family lines. Yeah. And uh, the one that caught my eye was the, um, was a story of the, of the kid who had said the blue children come and help them with their homework at night. There have been a few cases. And the parent was like, okay, it must have been like an overactive imagination. But then the child started drawing pictures of the blue children. And then they somehow happened upon other people telling the same story, story yeah. of the blue children that come and help. And it's it's it was rarely, from what I understand, it was rarely malicious. It was usually very helpful, um, comforting. Nurturing with these, type of yeah with, these blue, yeah, with these blue children. Um, something that can be related to with the other with the other children experiencing this. So we we do have multiple facets to facets to this story that will be reoccurring from show to show that we may do about abduction cases and if you're not familiar with that kind of thing, these will these will be reoccurring. So uh, do you have did you have anything else to hop to? Cuz those were two really big points, I know. Yeah, yeah. And just um you know, like I said, she was really fervent and I mean, she definitely never shied away from sharing the details of her experience. And she was, you know, particularly if her critics would, you know, more or less challenge her and and try to prove her wrong, she would get very upset uh-huh. and and yeah. Okay. So, if we walk through this not step by step, but we kind of try to take stock of what proof do we have her story being valid and, and real? And, you know, I really feel like this case, as far as like look at the Betty and Barney Hill case, yeah. there was extensive investigation done into that case. And with this case, it seems like there was like nothing done. Nothing looked into how many different witnesses, family members, uh, ex-husbands that uh, the one ex-husband was with her. 
in in the um, aircraft when they saw huh. a UFO. Yeah. Oh, the, the yeah. Yeah. The, the so, plane. you know, beyond just her personal word, you have firsthand accounts of these people that witnessed it. But no investigation was it, it didn't they, no one dove into it, you know, more deeply and tried to uncover exactly what was what was known about the case. And I don't really understand that. Well, for some of the more hard hitting evidence that she supposedly had, we always have in this story the back and forth of like she had this, but then someone else says, no, she couldn't have done that or didn't have that. So with all those reoccurring things, do you feel that this is truthful to the fullest extent? I do. You do? I do. And and there are more similarities. I, uh, this, things that I would not write off as coincidence. The same, the very night that she um, elaborates that she was taken off in the spacecraft with Akon, uh, coincidentally, supposedly, was the same night that they, uh, that a steady red glowing light was sighted from 6 p.m. till 2 a.m. Yeah, but if they left the planet, why would there be a steady light for that long? Um, because the plant, the mothership was waiting for him. So I think they're kind of assuming that either his ship or the mothership or something was the red glow, provided that red glow. So they stayed within like the just outside. Well, of I don't the know Earth where they orbit. went. I don't know where they could have went. Just well, like down to Burger King. I don't know. Well, that's kind of important. Did but they, the, the sighting to- of that you had this red glow in the same area that she alleges that her abduction took place. More investigation should have been done into it because, like, I don't know. You know the proximity of where she was located versus where the red light was, um, and it's really, it's really hard to find information about it online i mean like i included in the show notes the uh, a link where you can read her book so you can find out her firsthand account i didn't have enough time to read the book myself but i am going to read it well let's make that important distinction though you you kind of swept past that one there that if she did go to venus via any ship whether it be a smaller ship to a mothership then the mothership to venus then the steady red light from what was it 6 p.m till 2 a.m why would it remain there was that when she? I don't think she went with them that time. Oh, they just went up. I think into they the just ship. met, kissed a little bit. He said, "Oh, you're my long lost reincarnated soulmate," and we always grab Earth Women, <laughs> and then a quick goodbye kiss. And took is that back an home. extraterrestrial pickup line? What is that? With all that is just a pickup line. Hey, it yeah. could be. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Go on. Good game. <laughs> Give Good her a little game. 1950s butt pat. Yeah. <laughs> but again, we don't know a lot because nobody documented this. Yeah, except for her and her books. Well, yeah. Which it leads credence to the idea of t- to her idea that as many times as she's told the, that she's told the story or she did tell the story, it remained pretty much the same. It was the same. The details yeah. still still were very very close. Yeah. Which we've always been told that that's kind of an indicator of like if you repeat a story over and over and over again, yeah. slight details change. But like with with something like this big, do you think do you think it's that hard to? To repeat a story numerous times and to not have it change? Um, I think it depends on the person. I think that if you're making up, if, if, if the story isn't true and you're just making it up, I think it's bound at some point, uh, you know, in the retelling process over and over, that you're, you're most likely going to get things jumbled up or misconstrued or maybe not remember things, you know, as... Possibly. Well, but as then, you told it the last time. That's true, but then how can that go into... St- 
solidifying whether or not that person is telling the quote-unquote truth when even normal everyday stories that you tell just think of a family story that you may have told time and time again and eventually you go you know what i can't remember if it was the left left side or the right side but anyway we're going to continue oh, on that's true that's true so especially but, as time goes by yeah but then i would to, to lose components of the story yeah but then me knowing the story wouldn't necessarily think you're lying about it because i know the story that you've told ten thousand times just that well it's getting older now and like the story happened so long ago sure you may you may have whatever but if you're telling that story to someone else a third party that i'm listening to i mean again if i were that third party i wouldn't be thinking that you're lying to me it just well it happened a long time ago and you know small details may be lost i'm not gonna think that you're lying so i guess that it's it's a it's a question that I've always kind of asked myself on especially like the the immediate interrogation process that police may use having you repeat that story over and over and over again like yeah like it makes sense how if you've concocted a story how you how you need to like really strive to keep a story straight that you've concocted right especially in the circumstances where where a police a policeman may be like having you repeat it and all that yeah but where is the time to where you've repeated it so often with the amount of details being so close that you start to believe it's true or you no, know no, what I mean? that that is commonly believed to be true i don't know you don't you understand what i'm saying yeah i do i do. yeah i get like you. There, yeah i i could see how they like there's so many ways you can go with this but yeah that you believe it's true that, that that could be part of it true that you start believing your own story but like that that has to come into play in that process that either you've you've made it up and you've done such a great job at keeping the details together in this made-up, fabricated story. Or you're telling the truth. And even if you do slip on some details, it's still the truth. How does one decipher that? And automatically, when it comes to this genre of story, do do you have people that will always, always question it? True, true, yeah. So how do we decipher from that? Whether or not it's something about how you went to the grocery store last week, something mundane that... Even if you did lie about it, it wouldn't have mattered because nobody really cares. Or having this grandiose story that is hard to believe, even if you gave straight details about it. I mean, that's that's where this story has like a like a like a roundabout kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have anything else about this? Well, yeah, um, I just find it interesting uh, with like the the psychic medium, the Philip Human. Mm-hmm, yeah. Kind of from both sides of the story, I think there was like some. Well, not some, I guess a whole lot of animosity um, because they were friends. And then apparently he came and he was a big supporter of hers. You know, oh, yeah, she's she's telling the truth, this, that, you know. And then apparently he came out and said, oh, wait, I've also had (laughs) communication with extraterrestrials. But mine is uh, I get my messages through my mediumship. You know, which is like, okay, so we got one better Bob here, you know, going on. But then, but then you have the other flip side of her saying, oh no, well there, they wouldn't do it like that. How dare you? We we have this. You know, so it's just like. Kids in the backseat situation. Exactly. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, now you, you both eliminated yourselves as. You know what I mean? Do you think that takes Elizabeth? I think it takes away from it, yeah. Both of them? Yeah. I, I In my opinion, it does. <laughs> I mean, I'm I just think, like, why would you even entertain, uh, you know? 
I wanted I wanted to steer clear of it, and I've been thinking about it this whole time. How it's like, no, I got mine from this from from my mental. Yeah, well, they don't operate like this. They only operate like this. It, that's how it sounds. Kinda, how, yeah. How we get done? To I the- mean, it, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, it, but especially as work, you know, when working as a, as a psychic medium, you know, nobody. I don't care who you are. You're not right all the time, right? Yeah. But just from the stigma surrounding it, you face a lot of people already kind of predispositioned that you're a fake, that all psychics are fake. Yeah. So just like, I don't know. There's got to be an air of who cares what people say. You know, (laughs) I think it's childish. Like you said, it's like two little kids going, (laughs) oh, I'm not touching you. Yeah. So I think that really kind of takes away from the case. But, you know, I think all in all, I do believe it's it's a legit case. Yeah. What 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 is your take on it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, it, it, it also takes away from the case, too, that her son, David, says he doesn't remember his mom being gone for any length of time, which you could argue that, okay, you were a little kid. You know how when you're a little kid, like, your sense of time is um, not very accurate. Um, Who knows? I don't know. Maybe it was one of those things where the extraterrestrial, maybe Akon, like, did a little number and little David was made to forget. He roofied little David. Well, kind of. Slipped him a Mickey. I don't know. You know. I don't know. Well, here's your, here's your, take this dime of tap here. Take your little chocolate milk <laughs> hey little dave you want some chalky milk and good night <laughs> nine years later yeah no really four months later oh, four months earth later. time oh yeah that's right i forgot yeah four months later he's like, oh. time he just slipped right through puberty you know <laughs> just right through it suddenly he's married and has kids what damn the hell? it i missed christmas Ugh, you owe me <laughs> like 15 gifts thanks akon I've been trying to steer away from from the singer, the singer. Icon I know, this whole like, time. yeah, the whole time I was writing out the script, I'm yeah, humming the little tune in my head. I believe that's it, right? That's that's, that's it. All that's all. Had. That's all I got. You know, this is that's this it. is like we've stated before, a very interesting case that is so not mu- a lot of people have heard about. No, and it's very multifaceted, uh, with more than just like an abductee thing, more than experiments. It's got a a love triangle of sorts. I just imagine the uh, what are those novels that you that. Oh, like the silhouette or Harlequin, Harlequin romance novels. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Harlequin? Yeah. With like the paintings of like the super buff dude taking the yeah. taking the lady like in like a passionate pose. Yeah, it was they had Harlequin romance, they had um the silhouette. But you got this romance. Like, you got this skinny the skinny Martian slipping Mickey's to Blue a young skin. child. When he whisks the mom away. <laughs> hope he doesn't wake up hey no we're not i'm not passing judgment i'm not wakes up looks in the mirror why do i have facial hair <laughs> how do i shave oh god <laughs> that's not funny it's not that's, funny. that's not funny poor david but you know it's remember. it's it's you know take it or leave it it's an interesting case nonetheless yeah do your own research on it then uh, if you if you formulate any opinions that you'd like to get out there uh, and get, i did get I, at I, us. I do want to say I did include um, in the show notes, there's a link to uh, where you can read her book. Um, what's her book called? Oh, my gosh. Barrier or Beyond the Light Barrier. 
beyond the light barrier. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also there's a really kind of um, cool YouTube video where she is, I think, I can't remember who the interview is with. It's with one of the two women that we mentioned in the huh. in the narrative. Um but yeah, it's it's a video interview with her. So you you know, watch the video. It's it's kind of boring. But well, yeah, I'm <laughs> Please watch this boring video. Well, no, but I mean just to kind of get a a sense of her personality and I think her her uh flamboyance really kind of yeah, shines through, but yeah. you know, Some give it give it a watch that. just to kind of check. Yeah, some people would take that really well. Some people could take it as kookiness. Any way you want to look at it. There you go. I say we wrap that up there and find a way to commit random acts of violence against the dogs next door. We're going to do five to ten by the time you're done. Oh, man, that's now premeditation, isn't it? Yep. Because I said it. Yep. Oh, now it's recorded. Now we can't do anything about it. We could pay We could pay neighbor kid. I'm not paying it- anybody. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Who are you? We'll figure it out. Why we'll- are you in my house? <laughs> We'll figure it out. As for this episode, uh, I say it's a wrap, and we will see you all next week. We'd like to say thank you one more time for hopping on board with us this week. If you have any comments, questions, critiques, or suggestions for new topics, please send us an email at supernaturaltendenciespodcast at gmail.com. We also encourage you to get over to our Facebook page at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and go ahead and elbow drop that like button for us. We're also available on Instagram at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and Twitter at Weird and Scary, if that's more to your liking. Please pass us around to your friends as well, where they can find us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast platforms. And remember, if you're having any type of paranormal activity or extraterrestrial contact, I offer private coaching online via Skype or Facebook Messenger to assist you with those issues. Feel free to visit me at christyjohnsonsadler.com for contact information. Till next time, this has been Alex and Christy. See you later. Oh, man, and you guys stuck around again for this week's Musician Spotlight, and uh, I don't think you are, how can I even say it? I don't think you'll be anything but impressed. Is that better? Uh, That's better, yeah. Okay, it took me a while to get there. I'm excited, though, for this one. Um, It harkens back to middle school for me. Um, I have a soft spot for pop punk bands of the early 2000s, and the band we have today named Almost Made It to the Mixtape is exactly that if because i let you listen to this as i do every week and it sounds just just right on par with like what green day green day uh newfound glory simple plan some 41 uh geez uh just just a plethora of the bands that came out at that time uh yellow card um fantastic bands that i still listen to today um that are that are just great and these guys hit the nail on the head for all of that stuff. Um, they uh, gave us uh, a song called Afterthoughts off their EP Attaboy. And uh, 
and man, I was listening to it and right from the first few notes, man, just, yep, that's it. Got it. That's exactly Nailed what it. it is. Pop punk. Yep. Uh, they come out of, I think, Rochester Hills, Michigan, Southeastern Michigan. I believe they, they have some mini tours going on here and there. Um, I don't know if they have any shows coming up. I didn't see any shows coming up here soon, but if you get a chance to see them and you're into that pop punk, like I said, straight up pop punk, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you're into this and you, and you actually listen, um, they have, we have a few listeners that I know specifically that will like this, uh, immediately. However, the song ends, they'll like it. And, um, if you feel the need to, uh, get a hold of these guys on Instagram or Twitter, give them a follow at AM tm band at both of those platforms listen to them on spotify listen to them on youtube listen to them wherever you can uh because this uh pop punk throwback i'm really digging so get on it and again uh here is almost made the mixtape afterthoughts Could cut this deal 